You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, welcome to this beautiful Thursday. Welcome to Getting in the Word. If you're joining us for the first time, it is such a privilege to have you. If you are returning back, we love you, we welcome you, and we're glad you're here. It's always a privilege to join together and uh, to do what we love to do, and that's get in the Word. And so I pray that you will be blessed, that you will be encouraged, and that you'll be challenged. We live in a day when Christianity has become fickle, and uh, we want to stand firm on the truth of God's Word uh, without uh, without delay. Uh, there is a necessity in our day for the gospel to be to be proclaimed into the world, and so we're glad you're here, and we pray that you'll be blessed with our time together today. We've been studying the book of Jonah, and uh, last week we started uh, that study on the book of Jonah, and today we're going to continue that, and so uh, we're glad you're back with us again, and I pray you'll be blessed. Uh, We want to welcome all of you, you newcomers, especially welcome to you We keep the chat closed during the lesson, but afterwards we will certainly open up the chat and give you an opportunity uh, to uh, ask questions and tell us what you learned and what you were encouraged by, challenged by. Thank you for the admin. I appreciate your hard work and your commitment, and uh, we're certainly glad to have each one of you. It's always a, a blessing. So let me pray, and we'll jump right in to our message this morning. Father God, we thank you for Uh, the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace and your mercy for which you have established among all of humanity. God, you wish that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so I pray today, Lord, that if there be any here that have never put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, that they would not run from the gospel, but rather they would run to the gospel. They would run to the cross. Uh, Lord, maybe they come today with heavy hearts, busy schedules and struggles of life, God, may we be reminded that your burden is light. And so, Father, help us to point people to Jesus. And I pray today as we look at the book of Jonah, this prophet of God, God, help us to learn from his mistakes. And uh, so we just pray for our time together, pray for each one here. May you bless them uh, in a special way today, God, and uh, We love you, and we thank you for all that you are doing and that you are going to do. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, last week uh, we spoke about Jonah, uh, the prophet, uh, a man called by God to do a special task. We really looked at his disobedience, the runaway Christian, as he tried to flee from the commissioning that God appointed him to. God told him to go to Nineveh and to do what? Preach against them. Because the evil they were doing had come up before him, um, Jonah went. But he went rather in an opposite direction, away from where God had told him to go. So the the major thing that we learned last week was that we we are not to run from God nor his word. We, we are not to shy away from that which we know to be true, his directions for our lives. 
You are called to be what you are called to be, not to be somebody that God never intended you to be. And many times when we learn what it is that God wants us to do, we find it easier sometimes, we think, to run away from that. And so that's what Jonah does. He runs away in the opposite direction from God's Word, His directions. Rather, we ought to do the opposite and be faithful to what He tells us to do. So we've divided the book of Jonah really into four parts. Chapter 1, 1 to 3, we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. Chapter 1, verse 4 to chapter 1, verse 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. You may say, well, that's uh, interesting. Well, yes, there is a reality in which we can fight with God, and Jonah does. In chapter 2, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 10, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we see Jonah back on the dry land obeying God. We know the end result because we have the entirety of the book. And here's the reality. If you're running from God, the hope is that by the end of this, you will have what we would call repent of that, turning in the opposite direction and turning back to God would be the desire and the hope we have. So, again, I think it's neat to see the parallels of disobeying God equals fighting and pleading with God equals obeying. Do you see that interesting distinction that we find within the text? Well, this morning we're going to look at the second aspect of our outline in which we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. Maybe you come today and you find yourself in a similar situation. Maybe you're not running from God in the way you think you're running from God, like Jonah was running from God, but maybe you find yourself in a, in a tug-of-war, so to speak, and fighting against Almighty God as if you're going to actually win. So let's begin by first noticing that we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. Turn with me to our text this morning, Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 to 16. Starting in verse 4, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell to Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew And I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Last week, 
we taught not to run from God's direction, but to be bold, rather, to follow God's commands, follow what it is that God desires for our lives. And today I want us to look at what happens when we do run from God's direction. Not to scare you, not to try to convince you that you are wrong, but to show you the effects of running from God so that when these things unfold in your life, my friend, there may be some type of signs that will reveal a running person from God. So three things I want us to take from this lesson today. Number one is... Running from God can cause difficulties in life. Number two, running from God can cause drowsiness in life. And number three, running from God can cause deceptiveness in life. That brings us to our first point. Running from God can cause difficulties in life. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4-5a, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. And then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship to lighten it for them. There are a few observations that I want us to take from this portion of Scripture. I want us to look very carefully this reality. We know that from previous passages of, of, of Jonah that, that he's running from God. He has received his instructions from Almighty God to go to Nineveh and to preach against the evil that has been brought up to them. But instead, this prophet has decided to take a boat trip in the opposite direction, fleeing from the very presence of God as if he thinks He's headed to Tarshish. And the problem is this man is running. And not only is he running, he's running from God. Now, I know I really keep going back to this because there have been seasons in my life in which I have run from God. I remember that last year of Bible college when I wanted to run from what it was that God was calling me to. God called me to serve with uh, village missions, and I didn't want to do that. I wasn't ready to be a, a preacher. I needed more training, more equipping, and I needed men to pour into my life so that I could become a better man of God. And I fought to get my application process done and kept putting God off, really looking to go to DTS down in Dallas Theological Seminary, settled this is what God wanted me to do. It was like one thing after another. And finally, I got the rejection letter. I didn't know what to do. God wanted me to go pastor a church with an organization called Village Missions, and I ran from that, and I wanted to go to seminary where I could get my master's degree, and I got rejected. Now I had no choice. God was 
speaking to me through other preachers' teachings, through reading his word. It was simply undeniably God's call on my life and my family's life to serve with village missions. But boy, in the middle of running from the Lord, my life was filled with difficulties and storms. And here Jonah is about to start experiencing these very things because of his running from God. It says that the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. I just want to remind you this morning, maybe the things that you are struggling with in this life is because you're running from God. Because when I read this text, are you telling me that God has caused this storm in the life of this prophet? Listen, God doesn't take lightly his command or his commission to his people. Now, we have sissified God, but let me remind you, God is a God, yes, of justice. Yes, he is a loving God, but never miss the reality that God is a God of wrath. God takes seriously his command. He takes serious his commission to his people and the call on your life. And if we think for one second that we can run and hide from what God has called us to do, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. And just like this puny prophet, he is about to learn just how sovereign God really is. So while God calls the wind to blow and the storm to rage the sea, This storm wasn't some little rain shower. It was a great storm. And Jonah's about to find out it's hard to fight against the will of God. And while many sailors of those days have been found sailing in difficult seas, I mean, this was their job. This is what they did. The sea must have been absolutely astounding because this brought them a feeling of isolation and loneliness. But Jonah, not him, God is watching every move he makes. And listen, the storm that was raging is because the wind that God sent. God could have just made the waves just happen, but God used the natural elements to cause this great storm which was created by God, whom blew the winds. We need to understand that when we run from God, from His will, we will He will use natural elements to get our attention sometimes. Are we running today? Are you living your lives running from God? Are, are, are your, is your life filled with difficulty? Because the storms that God can cause in your life can be powerful. We see here that this storm was so strong that the boat began to break to pieces. I mean, just put yourself in their shoes. They're in this boat, this, and this boat is starting to fall apart, and they're out in the middle of the ocean, and the seas are raging. 
You could translate it now, the ship was determined to break apart. It gives the idea of its own personality. In contrast to the disobedient prophet, the winds, the sea, and even the ship were in tune to the Lord's purpose of bringing this prophet back to his plan. What is it that God is trying to bring you back to today? What purpose, what plan, or what commission has he laid before you that you know God wants you to do, but you have failed to do it? From the least call to the greatest, maybe it's time you reach out to that person and ask for their forgiveness. Maybe you've mishandled your money. And you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you've been a bad employee to your boss. God has called you to admit that to them and repent. Ask for forgiveness. Maybe God has called you to to something in your walk with Him for which He wants you to become successful at. And you just keep putting it off and putting it off and turning away and turning to sin instead. What purpose, what plan have you been running for, from? Do you see how foolish it was, really, for this prophet? to try to run from the will of God. Some of you might be running from turning your life over to Jesus Christ. You keep trying time and time again to accomplish your own salvation when Christ calls you to repent and believe the gospel. Not by works, not by deeds which you've done in righteousness, but rather to trust in His great mercy and grace. You see, some of you may be fighting with the will of God to submit to His Word. Now, I know that everybody out there who wants to accuse me. And, and let me state this. I'm okay with it because my, my, my walk with Christ is, is wonderful. I love Jesus. I trust in Him for my salvation. I preach the gospel faithfully. And, and I know that we've been infiltrated with those who have wrong intentions and they want to accuse me of being a QAnon conspiracy theorist. I'm guilty by association. I get it. That's just part of the job. But hear me out very clearly. I don't care about one aspect of how many people follow me. I don't care one aspect about how popular I am. I care not one aspect about money or fame or fortune. I care about one thing, and that is the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. So if someone wants to accuse me of being a Q guy, the Scripture says don't answer a fool in his folly. Because if you think I'm a QAnon conspiracy theorist, then you don't know my message, and you're buying a lie from some quack. Because you know good and well, Stuart Guthrie, don't buy into Q. I don't care who buys into Q. That's your business. I go to the Word of God, my friend. I don't need any inside job. I don't need any profit, Q, or anything else to tell me what's coming down the pipeline. I'm not going to waste my time on numbers and this Word of Faith movement with vibrations and positive thinking and words that can succeed. Read the Bible. It is sufficient. We need to submit to His Word, not man. And some of you this morning have been infiltrated, and you've bought into the lie of Q. And you think for somehow you're going back, wasting all of those hours trying to decode this and decode that so that you can know what's coming. Let me tell you what's coming. Jesus Christ is coming. And he's coming back with pure flaming wrath and justice of Almighty God. And he will pour out his retribution on those who do not know God and to those who do not believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can take cue and throw him out the window. Because here, let me tell you, Jesus is coming. And the question is, do you believe the gospel? Because if you fail, my friend, you will be absolutely devastated and there will be no one to stand beside you when you see God face to face. You can either bow out of the grace that's been given to you today to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, or you will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the rod of iron by the one who rules the nations. Every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of your life, my friend. Whether you like it, whether you accept it, whether you reject it. Because why? Because God has given him a name that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I suggest that you submit to the word of God today. And respond to the gospel of grace. He has given you ears to hear, eyes to see. He has given you breath in your lungs today. Now, tomorrow you're not guaranteed. You're not even guaranteed to make it to the end of the program. So I suggest that by the grace that he's given you today, you respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stop fighting to submit to God's word. Husbands, are you leading your family as God has called you to lead? Are you teaching your children the word of God? Are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? Wives, are you submitting to your husband? I know it's not a popular thing in our culture, but maybe it's one of the reasons the culture is the way it is. Because everybody's trying to do everybody's job when God just simply wants you to do your job. Now, children, are you obeying your mothers and your father? Showing them respect, honoring them, listening to their instructions when you don't even agree with them. You don't know everything, my friends. 
and neither do they, but they know a lot more than you do about real life. Trust them. Be obedient to them. Stop running from what it is that God has called you to do in His Word. You know, we live in a day when sin become appropriate. And you call out sin and people want to crucify you. Listen, you can crucify me all you want. There's a, an event coming up in Bluffton in my hometown, a pride event where they're having drag contest and their drag queens are reading to the children. And you know what? That's perverted. It's sick. It's perverted. And we've become a, a culture of Christianity who has kept their mouths shut so long that now those who speak against the sin of homosexuality, transgenderism, whatever you want to call it, LGBTQ, have now become unloving. Really, guys? That's where we've become as a culture? It's unloving to say it's perverted to let your children listen to a a mental, confused woman or man dressed in the opposite sex reading to them? What kind of parent would ever let their kid sit under that? You ought to be a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea is what Scripture says. You better be careful, parents. You'll give an account. Don't let your kids go to that junk. It's unbiblical, and it's unwise. And too many times we run away from the truth And we go, oh, don't cast the stone. Let he who is sin, not sin, cast the first stone. Twist not Scripture. Twist not the Word of God. Sin is sin, my friends. And our silence has put us where we are. And we've let these people right in the church because a lack of shepherds Standing up for truth. Listen, difficulties, running from God, can cause difficulties in life. Jonah has now found himself in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, headed off in the opposite direction of where God has called him, in the middle of a great storm that's caused by God in a boat that is about to fall apart, and the sailors who are in the boat are now about to fall apart. They're about to have a fit. They're scared to death because they're afraid they're going to die, and they've been calling out to their lowercase g foreign gods. You see, everyone worships something. Let me put you in a boat in the middle of the ocean, and a great storm comes, and see what you will do. I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll cry out to the gods you know whether that be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or a God that you've created. And let me tell you, you want to cry out to the big God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What these men are doing, they're looking for help. Their gods don't answer them. And in your day of trouble, lest you call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, you too will find yourself before a God who fails to answer. So they try to 
help themselves by doing everything they can in their part, by throwing cargo overboard to simply lighten the load. And I would venture to say that they're having a difficult time. And the problem is that Jonah is the one that has caused all of this. Why? Because of his running. And the sailors are running around on the deck shouting like crazy men to their gods, throwing over the cargo, and the difficulties are upon them. Don't miss that. Sometimes your running, my running, causes others difficulties as well. But even more so, when we partake in the running, knowingly like these sailors, there is a great challenge to all of you, men and women who own channels out there. Listen to me very clearly. When you allow unbiblical, unchristlike material in your channel, and it affects the people you're around. You're going to cause difficulties in their lives as well. Because sometimes our running, our lack of integrity, causes others difficulties. And when we know that they are doing it, and we fail to say anything about it, we have no one to blame but ourselves. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go out and publicly defame someone's name. Scripture is very clear. If you have a problem with someone, you go to them in private. We have a, a modern-day culture that wants to slander everybody without proof. And proof isn't theory. I've said, said this Sunday in my sermon. Your theory is not truth. Your theory is theory. Truth is truth. Homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God is truth. Why? Because thy word is truth. Adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? That's truth. Because the word of God is truth. We need to stand on truth. And truth is measurable. Truth is consistent. And once it is true, it's always true. So listen, you can try to fabricate a story about somebody, and you can cast that out there for the world to see. But know this, my friend, whoever it is listening this morning, slander is sin. And slander is anything that degrades a person's character when you don't have the proof to show it. So when someone says, Stuart's a QAnon conspiracy theorist, obviously they don't listen to my preaching, or they would hear me over and over and over say, I don't believe in Q, because number one, I don't know what Q is. Or if they want to tell me, you know, the new ones now, well, you know, Lynn Wood's a part of our church because he's given $100,000 towards our matching fund. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They know not anything about what they're talking about. They simply want to take me down because I'm connected to Lynn Wood. Well, let me tell you this, my friend. We worship God. We don't worship man. 
And let me tell you what, I'm proud of our little church. And I'm proud of those who have invested into that matching fund. But know this, the man who made that $100,000 matching fund donation was an original member. So do us all a favor. Know what you're talking about before you make accusations against people because you will be judged by God for your slander. And yes, it makes me angry, but you know what? I realize that me answering back to that is going to benefit nobody. My encouragement to you is let not the words of your lips slander anyone unless you're willing to take it to court and fight it till the end. Otherwise, you let God deal with it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord in Romans 12. These men were running from God. And Jonah's running caused difficulties, but it really caused difficulties because they partook. Verse 10 says, For these men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because what he had told them. These men let a runaway Christian into the boat. And it didn't become a problem because they probably looked at it as a way to make money. And their running caused difficulties in life. Listen, running can cause difficulties in life. But secondly, I want you to see and understand that running can cause drowsiness of life. We can grow tired in running. You can run all day long and you will be tired in the end. Those days that I was trying to run off to Dallas Theological Seminary, I spent my wheels on doing this. I worked on the paperwork. I paid the fees. I spent all of the stressful hours. I was tired of it. Instead of simply listening to God and accepting the role at Village Missions, I wanted to do things Stuart's way. And I was exhausted. And when I got that note back, I was turned away. Where's Jonah? This is the book of Jonah. And we're eight pages into the sermon, and he's nowhere to be found. These sailors know something's going on, and while they're trying to save themselves in the boat, what does it tell us in verse 5b to 6? But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, had lain down and fallen asleep. And so the captain approached him and said, How is it, man, that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God, and perhaps he, your God, will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. You know, when you live in a life of sin, my friends, when you run from God, life is draining. <laughs> You're always looking behind you to see who's watching. You're always trying to hide that situation. You're always having to blab on and on and on so that you can cover your tracks. You have to tell one more lie to cover the lie you said before. 
You're always out there trying to hide that bottle, that pack of cigarettes from the spouse. You're always trying to remember to delete that text message from that inappropriate conversation from that young lady or that young man. You must always remember to delete those cookies in that history from your computer. You must always make sure to hide that wrapper. Whatever it is that you are trying to hide and run from, know this, a life of running causes you to be drowsy. It makes us tired. And Jonah, he has paid his ticket, he has bought his way, and he has retreated from God, and he is running and he has whooped. And here we find this prophet. In the very bottom of the boat, as far away from God and his duty to the Lord as he could be, and he's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? Why in the world is Jonah in the boat sleeping? Why is his heart so hardened that he would, that he would run away and think that it wouldn't affect him? Did God put him to sleep? When you look at the Hebrew word, everywhere that it's listed, it's used four or five out of six times as a sleep that was caused by God. Think about this. It's a deep sleep. I think that this prophet is dead beat from running from God. He has become drowsy, sleepy, and he is now out. It's a divine statement. It's simply a matter of opinion. The text simply tells us that he is sleeping, but whatever the case, it doesn't take long for the sailor to catch on that Jonah is not around. He's not up here helping us. And so the, they, they panic, and the captain runs down into the deepest part of the boat and says to Jonah, how is it that you are sleeping in this storm that's going on? We're about to die, and all you can do is sleep. We have all called on our gods, and it hasn't worked. You... Jonah. Try calling on your God. Maybe he will listen and we will not all die. And so now the sleeping prophet's up. He's realized that things are not going well. And listen, my hope today is that you, like Jonah, wake up. Stop running. Stop following whatever God commissioned to you before your life leads to deceptiveness. Listen, running from God can cause difficulties in life. Running can, from God can cause drowsiness of life. But let me finish thirdly by telling you running from God can cause deceptiveness in life. What's the definition of deception? Well, it means to give an appearance or an impression different from the true one. Jonah 1, 7 and 9 says, Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn who, on whose account this calamity is struck. I think they knew. So they cast lots, and the lots, of course, fell to Jonah because he's the reason. They're really both the reason. They let him in the boat. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? 
Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. I had someone in my office some time ago, and they they were talking to me about the assurance of salvation. How can one truly know that they are saved and that they can't lose their salvation? Well, they, they, they gave an example of godly people, right, that had turned away from the faith and now rejected God. Well, you know, Bobby, he was... He, he, he prayed to receive Jesus when he was eight. And he, uh, you know, walked away from the faith and lost his salvation. Listen, I say what you've seen is a form of deception. Listen, the proof of your salvation is not that you one time prayed a prayer, my friend, but it's that you continue walking with him. They have even fooled themselves. The devil's trickery is that if he can convince you you're swimming while you're drowning and someone jumps in to save you, you're going to tell them, get out of the way, I'm swimming. You're trying to cause me to drown. No, I'm, I'm trying to save your life, but you're so stubborn. You, you, you're so deceived that you think you're swimming when you're really drowning, my friend. Listen, if you're running from God, and God is not bringing storms in your life, and you're not tired from struggling with the Holy Spirit from conviction, you are deceived, my friend. You're deceived. I don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? You're deceived. You need to repent. Believe the gospel. Be saved. For God promises. He punishes those he loves. And if he does not discipline you as his child, the Bible says you are an illegitimate child. And that's why James says, test your faith. And listen, those that walk away from the faith, 1 John 2, 19 reminds us that they went out from us, but they were never really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. The New Living Translation says it this way, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. They left to prove that they did not belong to us. Not one drop of blood that was shed on Calvary, my friends, was wasted. And those that are in Christ will always remain in Christ because all whom the Father has given to the Son, none of those will he lose. Will there be difficulties in times? Yes. But they will always remain. Will there be pressures, doubting? Yes. But they, he who has the Son, has the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name so that you may know that you are saved. The reality is this. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Jonah started down 
the line of deception. And these men wanted to know who it is that has caused this calamity. And so they cast lots. Who's the culprit? And the lots fall to Jonah. Okay, we, we know you, Jonah. Tell us. We know it's you. What's your occupation? Where, where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And they are giving him now the third degree. But listen to what he says. He says, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear Yahweh. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Oh, really, Jonah? A half-truth with a little lie, given the appearance or impression different from the true one, my friend, is deception. Jonah, if you fear the Lord so much, why are you headed in the wrong direction? You see, it's one thing to profess with your mouth that you are something, a child of God. It's another thing to live it out. It's another thing to walk in that truth. You know what? When people run from God, they think that they are something they are not. They can be all spiritual excited about their newfound fear of the Lord. But my question is, why does your actions speak louder than your words? Why do your actions not show what your mouth speaks? You know the plan of salvation, but you have no relationship with the man of salvation. You see, we all have to be careful that we're just not talking the talk, but there we are walking the walk. Jonah's talking good. He's doing the easy part. But what I see right here, right now, is that he is not walking the walk, and he is self-deceived. Now, how will he respond is the question. Because there are seasons of life, my friends, for every single one of us in the sound of my voice, for which you will disobey God. And the question is, how will you end up? Because if you run from God and you never come back, then make no mistake, God has done nothing in your heart. Right here, as you sit in the sound of my voice, I want you to legitimately, honestly, ask yourself the question, am I walking the walk or just talking the talk? Do you really fear God? Do you really have a holy reverence for God? Do you really believe that he is coming back? And all of those who do not believe Christ will not make the trip. My heart pours for all of those people in this world and in this country and in this state and in this community. 
that have simply been done good to. We need to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. People need the gospel. And we need to stop running from what it is God has called us to and start following the commands of God. Listen, I know there's a Jonah here today. And my hope is that you learn from his mistakes. So by way of application, today I want you to realize and understand running from God can cause difficulties in life. But know this, so can following God. The question is, what is your purpose? Are your difficulties brought on by you or by the Lord because you are doing things your way or God's way? It's one thing to endure persecutions and difficulties because you are doing things God's way, but there is another false self-deceiver that says you are being persecuted because you are not doing it God's way and you are just walking through the difficulties because of your pride and your rebellion and your slander and your false testimony. I'm all right with being facing hard times because of our walk with Christ. Because we stand for the truth of God's Word. Because we stand against sin. When those difficult times come, I'm okay with that. What is it that God is trying to tell you or show you? You need to be ready to receive, listen, and obey when the difficulties come your way to determine whether it is of you or of God. Have you created them because of some false, self-deceived reality? Difficulties will come either way. But don't you want to face the difficulties because they are of God, to grow you, to sanctify you, to make you more in the image of His Son. Listen, secondly, we need to realize that, that running from God can cause drowsiness in life. Are you tired of running today? Chasing after the political agenda of our day? Oh, is, it, is, is, is General Flynn a good man or a bad man? Is Sidney Powell a good woman or a bad woman? Let God handle that, my friend. Stop chasing these worldly matters. You will never fix this problem in your own strength. Go waste your time no more. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And let God handle what God does. Stop running. The longer you live in disobedience or sin, the longer you will remain exhausted, lonely. Repent and ask God to forgive you and stop running and stop justifying your sin because you think you're godly. <laughs> there is none righteous, no, not one. And there's definitely the reality in which head knowledge, informational, is puffed up. 
You need to be transformed. You need to be born again. Stop running. Submit to God, to the gospel. Thirdly, I need you to understand running from God can cause deceptiveness in life. Don't be deceived. And don't be a deceiver. You might fool those people around you who have no idea of how the Word of God works or what the Word of God says because they are immature and they are easily deceived because, number one, they have no shepherds in their life who are pouring into them, who are meeting with them one-on-one to clarify and to fix all the heresy that has invaded their minds. Oh, you may trick them into thinking you are godly, and that you fear God. But make no mistakes, you can't trick God. The devil is a liar. He was a deceiver, and God hates deception. And if you have the discernment to simply listen, you'll catch every lie that even those who claim to speak truth speak. And the lie will rise to the top. Let God handle what God handles. Speak truth. The truth of God's word. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will it be God or will it be man? Let's talk the talk, but make sure that we walk the walk. And when your walk fails to match your talk, swallow your pride. Admit it. Humble yourself before God. And if it's been public, make it public. Tell everybody, I am sorry I have deceived myself and I surrender to you. God, forgive me. All of you people who I have deceived, who I have betrayed, I have now, my eyes have been opened and I can see my faults and I need your forgiveness as much as I need Christ. Listen. We need to make sure we're walking the walk and not simply talking the talk. Even a fool is wise when he is silent. The man who won't shut up, be weary. Be weary. Talk the talk, but walk the walk. Pray for people. Talk about the power of the word and share it. Don't simply talk it. We all have room for growth. And that's the wonderful life of a Christian. There is none righteous, no, not one. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I have bukus of work that God has to work on me. But let us be truthful and stop running from God's commands and instructions so that we might fulfill His greater purpose And that is that all might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ didn't run from his role. He made it possible that all that would come to him might have life. And those that would believe in his name, he has given them the right to become children of God. Jonah, let's stop running and start following. 
so that we can glorify God and fulfill our purpose for the glory of God so that on that great and glorious day when Jesus Christ comes through those clouds and we see him face to face, you and I can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So today, my encouragement is that you would put your faith your trust in Christ and walk the walk and be faithful. Father God, we thank you for this day. For this time together, we ask you bless it all in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.